Decision podcasts by the New York Prosecutors Training Institute are made possible by VoicePods. Convert your text to voice at voicepods.com. Read this decision at NIPT Law. www.nypti.org slash law. People v. Cadman Williams. Decided March 31, 2020. Fahi, J. Over 150 years ago the science of genetics was born. It grew out of the beloved garden of Gregor Mendel's pea plants. It has come to be as important to our perception of the modern world as the atom or the bite. This revolution in our understanding of biology extends to most aspects of medical science. In the criminal justice system, it has provided forensic science with one of the most powerful tools for identification yet seen. DNA testing has become the gold standard of this process. For this reason, more than any other, courts must use the tools available to make sure that the highest standards of reliability are maintained. The primary issue on this appeal is whether the trial court should have held a Fry hearing C. Fry v. United States, with respect to the admissibility of low copy number LCN DNA evidence and the results of a statistical analysis conducted using the proprietary forensic statistical tool FST developed and controlled by the New York City Office of Chief Medical Examiner OCMI. Under the circumstances of this case, we conclude that the trial court abused its discretion as a matter of law in admitting that evidence without holding such a hearing. However, inasmuch as the error is harmless, and inasmuch as defendants' other contentions like merit, we ultimately conclude that the judgment of should not be disturbed. Facts. A. In May 2008 the victim and his brother had a dispute with several teenagers in the Bronx. That dispute ended in the death of the victim following an incident in which he swung a baseball bat at one of the teenagers. The use of the bat apparently prompted three defendant, who was present with a group of teenagers, to grab a gun and fire four bullets at the victim. Two of those bullets struck the victim, who subsequently staggered into the lobby of a nearby apartment building and died a short time later. The medical examiner determined that one of the bullets entered the left side of the victim's face, and that the second projectile punctured the right side of his back. The examiner also concluded that each of the wounds was fatal. Defendant escaped the scene of the shooting and had the gun hidden in the apartment of a former girlfriend before he fled to neighboring states. Defendant eventually was arrested in Brooklyn several months later, and the gun in question was recovered from a covered wall cavity in the aforementioned apartment prior to his prosecution. At trial, the people presented evidence with respect to those facts, including eyewitness testimony identifying defendant as the shooter and video footage placing him at the scene of that incident. The people also presented testimony from defendant's former girlfriend explaining that defendant forced her to stow the gun used in the shooting in her apartment immediately after that incident and admitted to her that he had just shot somebody. Trial also saw the people present evidence with respect to DNA testing that was conducted with the goal of providing a scientific link between defendant and the subject gun. That DNA testing revealed that there was a mixture of DNA from at least two contributors on the firearm. Akmi initially was unable to link defendant's DNA profile 4 to the DNA found on the gun through standard DNA testing. Eventually, though, what an expert for the people characterized as a sensitive form of traditional DNA review that is, the LCN testing and a proprietary calculator that is, the FST yielded the conclusion that it was millions of times more likely that the DNA mixture found on the gun contained contributions from defendant and one unknown, unrelated person, rather than from two unknown, unrelated people. B. The LCN and FST evidence did not reach the jury without protest. 
Prior to trial defendant had moved for an order precluding the people from introducing expert testimony regarding any conclusion reached by either the use of LCN testing or the FST on the ground that such methods were not generally accepted as reliable by the relevant scientific community. In the alternative, defendant sought an order directing that a FRI hearing be held with respect to the reliability of any proposed evidence generated through LCN and FST review. That application is the focal point of this appeal. Defendant's support for the FRI motion. The LCN testing process, as noted in the addendum, obtains DNA profiles from a very minute amount of genetic material by increasing the number of amplification cycles 28 in a standard test, and 31 using this method used to copy that DNA. In support of the Fry motion defendant put before the motion court, among other things, evidence in the form of an expert averment that no generally accepted guidelines for the testing, analysis, or interpretation of LCN had been agreed upon by the forensic community and that the use of LCN testing was still highly debated within the forensic community due to the unreliability of the LCN profiles generated. The same expert did not believe that profiles generated from LCN testing were reliable or valid for the implementation for DNA testing associated with criminal casework and noted that LCN testing was not implemented within the out-of-state laboratory in which he was employed. Supplementing that sworn expert submission were 10 scholarly articles and comments questioning the validity and robustness of LCN analysis. One of those texts explained that it is fair to say that LCN typing is the subject of great dispute among some of the leading lights of the forensic community, while another noted the acknowledged lack of consensus in interpretation of LCN tests, the unlikelihood that LCN tests would be embraced by crime laboratories in the United States, and the likelihood that such results would be deemed inadmissible if they were challenged. Other parts of those materials discuss the highly charged debate in the scientific and law enforcement communities about LCN analysis. The evidence defendant put before the motion court with respect to the LCN question also indicated that only one publicly funded laboratory, located at the University of North Texas Health Sciences on campus, performed LCN testing. For purposes of admissibility in a court proceeding, defendant cautioned, the UNSLAB only performed LCN testing for missing persons identification. Interestingly, the executive director of Applied Genetics at UNS and perhaps the father of American DNA analysis people V. Collins, Dr. Bruce Bud Owl, co-authored one of the scholarly articles tendered to the motion court in support of the Fry motion. That article noted that a claim had been made recently in People v. Magnet that LCN typing is generally accepted as being reliable. Dr. Bud Owl and his co-authors, however, believe that conclusion difficult to substantiate because of the inherent lack of reproducibility of the current LCN methods. The conclusion to that article explains 7 that drive Bud Owl and his co-authors would not endorse Acme's flawed LCN testing practices which the writers believe to be inconsistently applied to overstate the weight of the evidence. The title the authors chose for that article distilled those points and neatly summarized defendant's case with respect to the LCN question. The authors labeled this piece, low copy number typing has yet to achieve general acceptance. Defendant's case with respect to the FST was thinner, but with good reason. Defendant characterized the FST as a program developed by the ACME itself that had not been adequately subjected either to validation or peer review by anyone else in the relevant scientific community. Outside validation, defendant suggested, would have been impossible because ACME had not shared the software. That black box approach, defendant continued, was contrary to the TAC recommended by the Committee on DNA Technology and Forensic Science of the National Research Council which had concluded that quality assurance programs in individual laboratories alone are insufficient to assure high standards and recommended external mechanisms to ensure adherence to the practices of quality assurance. The People's Opposition to the Fry Motion In opposing the motion, 
the people contended that LCN evidence could be admitted in the absence of a Fry hearing because ACME had submitted extensive validation studies detailing its protocols and procedures, which had been examined and certified by the New York State Commission on Forensic Science. Along those lines, the people noted that ACME has long been recognized as the gold standard of forensic institutions not only in the United States but indeed in the world, and that OMS is subject to yearly audits conducted by outside agencies such as the National Forensic Science and Technology Center, which employ auditors trained by the FBI. The people also noted that, at the time of this motion practice, LCN evidence had been admitted 140 times in New York State Supreme Court and in at least 12 foreign courts. Although ACME was the only government facility in the United States issuing results of LCN testing, the people added that there were many private laboratories and universities both domestically and abroad performing such testing and reporting results, including the UNS, where defense DNA expert Dr. Bruce Budal taught. Finally, at least with respect to the LCN question, the people noted that the LCN procedure was not based on new or novel scientific techniques and was not newly applied to forensic casework in as much as the procedures and protocols used to extract the DNA and make comparisons had been around for over 25 years. And because LCN testing employs no different scientific process to examine and analyze smaller amounts of DNA than the established and universally accepted PCR DNA testing, the people characterized it as an acceptable science that falls outside the strictures of a Fry hearing. With respect to the FSD issue, the people similarly maintained that such evidence should be admitted without a fry hearing because numerous articles published in peer-reviewed scientific journals supported the point that the analytical software employs well-established principles such as Bayesian statistics and likelihood ratios which are used in many areas of science including forensics, medicine and social sciences. The people added that FSD does not change the results of the DNA tests performed in case and that. Given both the thorough review of the FST by DNA Subcommittee of the New York State Forensic Science Committee and the exhaustive validation of that tool by ACME, the relevant scientific community had accepted the FST as reliable. C. At the time this motion practice was initiated no court had completed a Fry hearing with respect to the FST, and only one court, namely, the Megnath Court questioned by Dr. Budal had conducted such a hearing with respect to LCN testing. Nevertheless, by order rendered March 5, 2014, the motion court denied the application in its entirety. With respect to the LCN issue, the court relied almost exclusively on Megnath, quoting that decision's conclusion that LCN analysis is basically the same method of DNA testing that occurs with traditional high copy number review inasmuch as the only difference in approach is that the LCN method can test smaller amounts of DNA by increasing the amplification cycles. With respect to the FST issue, the court relied on the approval of such tool by the Subcommittee on DNA Evidence, reasoning that because that the Subcommittee itself is a distinguished cross-section of the scientific community, that body's approval of the FST can easily be equated with general acceptance of this methodology in the relevant scientific society. In that vein, the court referred to People v. Rodriguez, which was decided during the pendency of this motion practice and which concluded following a Fry hearing that FST evidence was admissible based on an internal validation by ACME and approval by the DNA Subcommittee of the New York State Forensic Science Commission. The court also pointed to People v. Garcia, which had concluded that a Fry hearing is not required before the prosecution can introduce testimony concerning the FST used to calculate probability ratios when testing a mixture containing several DNA profiles. The result was the same when defendant moved to renew and or re-argue the application in November 2014. The rekindling of the motion was prompted by a ruling of Supreme Court, Kings County, rendered following a lengthy Fry hearing in People v. Jack and Collins. That court concluded, among other things, 
that neither LCN nor FST are generally accepted in the scientific community. The expert affidavit offered in support of defendant's motion in this case was also put before the hearing court in Collins. In point of fact, the expert submission in the case actually bears the caption for the Collins case. Still, the court here denied the renewed application through a written decision and order entered May 26, 2015 in which it simply declined to follow Collins and instead relied on ten trial-level decisions in which many of the court's colleagues had similarly ruled. Those decisions have a common touchstone, people v. Magnath. D. Eventually, on appeal, the appellate division refused to disturb the trial court's determination of the Fry motion. The court noted only that it had considered and rejected defendants' arguments concerning LCN and FST evidence in concluding that the trial court in that case did not abuse its discretion in refusing to hold a Fry hearing on expert testimony relating to LCN testing, LVS denied. A judge of this court granted defendant leave to appeal. Analysis of the primary issue. Science is the organized skepticism in the reliability of expert opinion. American theoretical physicist Richard P. Feynman. A. The long-recognized rule of Fry is that expert testimony based on scientific principles or procedures is admissible but only after a principle or procedure has gained general acceptance in its specified field people v. Wesley quoting Fry. The process is meant to assess whether the accepted techniques, when properly performed, generate results accepted as reliable within the scientific community generally people v. Brooks. Although unanimity is not required, the proponent of the disputed evidence must show consensus in the scientific community as to the methodology's reliability. That consensus has been described as a surrogate for determining the reliability of a purported scientific methodology. A showing that an expert's opinion has some support is not sufficient to establish general acceptance in the relevant scientific community. The determination whether a trial court erred in admitting disputed scientific evidence in the absence of a Fry hearing turns on whether the court abused its discretion as a matter of law. The mere fact that a court is the first to evaluate novel scientific evidence does not mean the evidence is unreliable, but it does increase the task of the hearing court. Certain materials, including texts, laboratory standards, and articles issued with respect to the technique in question, may, under appropriate circumstances, support a conclusion that such technique is generally accepted as reliable. Judicial precedent may also support a conclusion with respect to the general reliability of a disputed scientific technique short of a hearing. In the absence of such materials and support, the hearing court may take expert testimony on the subject. Review of a Fry determination must be based on the state of scientific knowledge and opinion at the time of the ruling. b. Against that backdrop we turn to the question whether the trial court abused its discretion as a matter of law in permitting the admission of the LCN evidence without holding a Fry hearing. Under the circumstances of this case, we conclude that there was an abuse of discretion as a matter of law. In deciding not to evaluate the reliability of LCN evidence in a Fry hearing, the motion court relied heavily on the prior judicial opinion in Magnath. That court had ruled, among other things, that LCN testing, as performed by ACME, was generally accepted as reliable in the forensic scientific community. That conclusion, however, was based on the court's review of what was ACME's own, internal support for its process, as well as upon evidence reflecting that such methodology had been used worldwide for over 10 years and was currently used in many other countries. By the time the motion court in this case determined the application to renew and or re-argue, there were approximately 10 decisions of various trial courts of this state that purportedly supported the determination in this case. Underlying those determinations, however, was the ruling in Magnath, and underlying the Magnath ruling was an analysis that did not adequately assess whether Ockme's LCN testing was generally accepted within the relevant scientific community. The repetition of a single, 
questionable judicial determination does not strengthen or add validity to such ruling, and it defies logic that an error, because it is oft-repeated, somehow is made right see David H. K., the new Whig moron evidence, limiting strict scrutiny by methodology, 2018 concluding that where a trial court relies on the findings of a previous hearing, that court should be convinced that the hearing was fair and thorough given the possibility that an early hearing with respect to a given technique may not be balanced. Scientific community approval, not judicial fiat, is the litmus test for the admission of expert evidence generated from a scientific principle or procedure, and it is not to be assumed that one hearing is automatically enough to hurdle a fry inquiry in a different matter. Significantly, the people were unable to cite any New York appellate cases, or out-of-state case law, assessing the general acceptance of LCN evidence. Moreover, the fact remains that there was marked conflict with respect to the reliability of LCN DNA within the relevant scientific community at the time the LCN issue was litigated in this case. The evidence tendered by defendant included Akmi's admission that traditional DNA testing involved 28 amplification cycles of DNA loci, whereas LCN testing applied additional amplification, 31 cycles, when traditional testing could not yield an adequate DNA profile. In assuming that the additional reproduction cycles gave rise to no distinction between traditional and LCN testing, the people simply ignored the opinion of defendants' expert that LCN's enhancements increases the sensitivity of detection of genetic markers in tested material and may result in inaccurate genetic profiles which do not reliably reflect the condition of the evidence and generate invalid results. The people's bald assumption of accord between traditional and LCN methods, and the deference shown by the motion court to that faulty point, Similarly ignored the chorus of defendants' scholarly voices accepting of traditional DNA testing but sounding suspicion with respect to the LCN methodology. Additionally, contrary to the people's suggestion and the motion court's conclusion, the fact that LCN evidence had been used in foreign courts should have been of no consequence inasmuch as there was no indication that the threshold for admissibility in those bodies contains the same exacting standards to be applied in courts of this state. Defendant was not required to establish, in his motion papers, that LCN evidence was generally not accepted by the relevant scientific community in order to obtain a hearing to resolve the very question of general acceptance. Here, defendants' submissions raised sufficient questions regarding the general acceptance of the LCN evidence, based on its lack of use by other laboratories, the absence of prior meaningful review, and the scientific articles proffered by defendant questioning the reliability of the evidence for criminal prosecution. As the proponent of the LCN evidence, the people ultimately bore the burden of establishing its general acceptance by the relevant scientific community, and defendant was entitled to have the people put to that burden. C. Our conclusion, that the court abused its discretion as a matter of law in failing to hold a fry hearing, is the same with respect to the FST evidence. The logic underlying the admission of FST evidence not subjected to fry scrutiny hinged principally on two points. The strength of Garcia and the observation that FST technology basically uses the building blocks of existing mathematical formulas to calculate the likelihood that a person contributed to one part of a DNA mixture. If the analysis was as simple as determining whether FST is comprised of existing mathematical formulas that are individually accepted as generally reliable within the relevant scientific community, then FST evidence probably would be admissible even in the absence of a Fry hearing. The point remains, however, that FSD is a proprietary program exclusively developed and controlled by ACME. The sole developer and the sole user are the same. That is not an appropriate substitute for the thoughtful exchange of ideas envisioned by Fry. It is an invitation to bias. It may well be that what the people say is accurate, to paraphrase their words, FST technology is based on an aggregation of generally accepted tools and therefore should be deemed generally accepted itself. The tool has, as the people noted, 
been vetted and approved by the distinguished scientists making up the DNA subcommittee of the New York State Forensic Science Committee. The subcommittee's approval is certainly relevant and may constitute some evidence of general acceptance at a Fry hearing. But that insular endorsement is no substitute for the scrutiny of the relevant scientific community. To rely solely on the subcommittee's approval as dispositive of the general acceptance would be supplant the court's obligation to ensure, under Fry, that scientific techniques and methods are sufficiently reliable to be admitted into evidence in a criminal proceeding. Indeed, here, defendant was hamstrung in demonstrating the existence of conflicting scientific opinions in order to show the need for Fry review of the FSD based on the black box nature of that program. But his papers adequately showed that Acme's secretive approach to the FST was inconsistent with quality assurance standards within the relevant scientific community. Those papers also showed that facts adduced in challenges to the FST made in Fry applications and other proceedings suggested that the accuracy calculations of that program may be flawed. Neither People v. Rodriguez nor Garcia supported a different result. The court in Rodriguez concluded, following a Fry hearing, that FSD evidence was admissible based on internal validation by ACME and approval of the tool by the DNA subcommittee of the New York State Forensic Science Commission. Approval by that narrow class of reviewers, some of whom were employed by the very agency that developed the technology, is no substitute for community review. By contrast, in Garcia, the court skirted a Fry hearing, reasoning that the FSD is not new or novel science that requires a Fry hearing based on what essentially was the aggregation theory advanced by the people here. That is, the Garcia court concluded that computer programs that allow for drop-in and drop-out rates when calculating likelihood ratios are not new or novel in the scientific community, and that the application of accepted mathematical formulas to already existing data previously created by LCN DNA techniques was a generally reliable technique in the relevant scientific community. That decision, however, did not adequately account for either the proprietary nature of the FST or the relatively narrow subsection of the relevant scientific community able to examine and endorse that thule. Moreover, to the extent that the FST had not been used by ACME for a significantly long period of time prior to its use in defendant's case, and because the particulars of the program were not readily available to the general scientific community so as to facilitate meaningful review and criticism. The people's claim that defendant failed to proffer sufficient evidence that the program was not generally accepted is unavailing. In short, the FST should be supported by those with no professional interest in its acceptance. Fry demands an objective, unbiased review. d. The errors in admitting expert testimony with respect to LCN and FST results in the absence of a Fry hearing are significant. In this case, however, the errors also are harmless under our standard for errors of non-constitutional magnitude. Here. In sum, the people presented video evidence of the shooting, the eyewitness testimony identifying defendant as the shooter, and the testimony of defendant's former girlfriend with respect to the events that followed that incident, including the girlfriend's account of defendant's handling of the subject gun and the forced secretion of that device. Based on all of that proof, we conclude that the evidence of defendant's guilt is overwhelming and that there is no significant probability that the jury would have acquitted defendant had it not been for these errors. E. Our conclusion that the trial court abused its discretion as a matter of law in denying a Fry hearing is not the only important point. We have said that a Fry hearing is generally unwarranted absent a novel or experimental scientific theory. That teaching, of course, leaves room for such a hearing even where the scientific principle in question is neither novel nor experimental. The recoil with respect to previously accepted techniques demonstrates the importance of the space accorded trial courts to conduct a Fry hearing even with respect to a scientific approach that may have become common over time.
familiarity does not always breed accuracy, and our fry jurisprudence accounts for the fact that evolving views and opinions in a scientific community may occasionally require the scrutiny of a fry hearing with respect to a familiar technique. There is no absolute rule as to when a fry hearing should or should not be granted, and courts should be guided by the current state of scientific knowledge and opinion in making such determinations. Indeed, admissibility even after a finding of general acceptance through a fry hearing is not always automatic. Recent questioning of previously accepted techniques related to hair comparisons, fire origin, comparative bullet lead analysis, bite mark matching, and bloodstain pattern analysis illustrates that point. All of those analyzes have long been accepted within their relevant scientific communities but recently have come into varying degrees of question overturning wrongful convictions involving misapplied forensics, available at https colon www.innocenceproject.org slash overturning wrongful convictions involving flawed forensics slash Heather Murphy, a leading cause for wrongful convictions, experts overstating forensic results New York Times, April 20, 2019, Leora Smith. How a Dubious Forensic Science Spread Like a Virus, available at https colon slash slash features.propublica.org slash blood spatter analysis slash Herbert McDonnell Forensic Evidence Judges and Courts slash. Those points, and the lessons of this case, reinforce the importance of judicial caution in the admission of developing scientific evidence in proceedings that may result in the deprivation or limitation of liberty. There is one additional point to be drawn from this case. When pressed to a literal extreme, some of our precedent may be interpreted to suggest that a single decision or single court opinion with respect to the general acceptance of a disputed scientific technique or process may not support the admission of such evidence in the absence of a fry hearing a court need not hold a fry hearing where it can rely upon previous rulings in other court proceedings as an aid in determining the admissibility of the proffered testimony Wesley, if no court opinions, texts, laboratory standards or scholarly articles have been issued on the technique the types of materials relevant to a determination of general acceptability, court may take the testimony of expert witnesses K, ch, j, concurring emphasis added. This decision should not be read to suggest that a trial court can never rely on a single prior judicial ruling in concluding that expert testimony based on scientific procedures or principles has gained general acceptance in its specified field, or that multiple judicial determinations to that effect are required for admission in the absence of a fry hearing. Hearing courts retain the flexibility to admit such evidence in the absence of a fry inquiry based on a single, sound, prior judicial opinion on a consonant question. Analysis of the remaining issues. Defendant advances three additional contentions on appeal. None of those contentions has merit. First, defendant contends that trial counsel was ineffective for failing to object to the instruction that the jury must determine whether the use of deadly physical force was justified with respect to each of the gunshots that struck the victim even if a defendant is justified in using deadly physical force at the beginning of a single, ongoing encounter with an assailant, his right to use that force terminates at the point he can no longer reasonably believe the assailant still poses a threat to him. An objection on that point, however, was unlikely to have succeeded and trial counsel cannot be ineffective for failing to advance an argument that has little or no chance of success. Defendant essentially contends that because the people's medical expert testified that each of the two gunshots that struck the victim was fatal, the second gunshot necessarily is academic with respect to the justification analysis because the first shot killed the victim. That contention, however, overlooks the point that the jury was free to reject the testimony of that expert with respect to the conclusion that the victim could have been killed solely by the first gunshot. The victim, after all, was alive when he was shot a second time, and for a short while thereafter. To the extent the jury believed the second gunshot was at least partially responsible for the victim's death, 
the challenge jury instruction would have been appropriate. Second, defendant contends that trial counsel was ineffective for failing to object to the part of the jury instruction containing the initial aggressor exception to the justification defense. A person may not use physical force upon another person to defend himself when that person is the initial aggressor. Where there is a reasonable view of the evidence that the defendant is the initial aggressor, the court may instruct the jury with respect to that exception to the justification defense. Here, the people adduced testimony that defendant shot the victim after the baseball bat held by the victim had shattered and no longer presented a threat, meaning that the initial aggressor instruction was appropriate. Inasmuch as an objection to that challenge was unlikely to succeed, and inasmuch as trial counsel cannot be ineffective for failing to make a motion that has little or no chance of success, this contention with respect to ineffective assistance of counsel lacks merit. Third, defendant contends that the trial court abused its discretion as a matter of law in admitting into evidence a recording of a telephone call defendant made while incarcerated before trial at Rikers Island. This issue was raised in a brief filed before we decided People v. Diaz. In those cases, we concluded that defendants who use the public telephone system at Rikers Island while warned of the potential that such calls may be recorded impliedly consent to the taping of those conversations. Those cases are controlling here. Accordingly, the appellate division order should be affirmed. Order affirmed. Opinion by Judge Fahey. Judges Rivera, Stein, and Wilson concur. Chief Judge DeFiore concurs and result in an opinion in which Judges Garcia and Feynman concur. Decided March 31, 2020. Incorrectly suggests that whether a Fry hearing is required will depend on the mere number of voices disputing the efficacy of a particular scientific methodology. Such a proposition is not consistent with the axiom that reproducibility is the linchpin of a reliable methodology. The more exact inquiry should be whether the dissenting voices are from scientists who have empirical proof to refute the validated empirical evidence and thus substantiate their competing hypotheses. Decision podcasts by the New York Prosecutors Training Institute are made possible by VoicePods. Convert your text to voice at voicepods.com. Read this decision at NIPT Law. www.nypti.org slash law.